right, good to have you back here on a Monday afternoon. Sports talk ready to go. He is Adrian Broadus, back from his wedding. Not his wedding, a wedding he was in, but not his own. His own wedding was, what, about um, two months ago, practically. But he was out in the DFW area. Crazy story about how he tried to fly back in El Paso yesterday, Adrian. That's wild. Yeah, uh, I'll tell it for sure, Steve. But first, I just want to say I had a great time this weekend. Thanks to you. Thanks to Jason for holding it down this past weekend. Thanks to Sal Utep Zay for Minor Talk Saturday uh, after the Miners got killed against Florida Atlantic. Um, I had a great time out in Fort Worth. I had a great time with all my friends. And it's always cool to be in this kind of time period. We always uh, We cannot take these moments for granted, me and my friends. And we talked about that. And we had a great weekend. And coming back yesterday, we were leaving uh, Dallas Love uh, around early afternoon. So we had an early flight out from uh, the wedding, which our wedding was Saturday evening. So we were good. You know, Sunday afternoon flight. We were supposed to be back here in El Paso pretty early afternoon, like 3.30, something around those lines. And so what ended up happening is we fly, and about 15 minutes outside of El Paso, they reroute us back to Dallas because the winds are too strong for them to land. So the pilot, instead of going to Albuquerque or going to Denver or going anywhere else, you go reroute back to Dallas. That's probably the safest, I guess, at that point due to all the winds that were going on yesterday. And as a result, I mean, we were at Dallas Love for three hours waiting for bags, uh, got on a flight this morning, had to get a hotel last night. They put you up? uh, No, but uh, they will be getting – we will be getting a voucher very soon, I'll tell you that. Um, So then um, we ended up getting a – uh, a hotel flew out this morning, and then yeah, here here today. That is a crazy story. Yeah, those winds are no joke. By the way, was the plane shaking at all, or uh, was uh, were you guys still far enough out where it wasn't so bad? Well, I, I thought the plane was getting a little bumpy. You know, those final few minutes, and then I and then it turned, and I was thinking, well, this is kind of strange. What's going on here? And then about five minutes after the plane turned around, then the pilot got on, uh, you know, the PA and told everybody what happened. It's a crazy story. It really is because they could have flown to Albuquerque, but then they still have to get you back to El Paso. And I guess they figured because there's so many more flights from Dallas to El Paso than these other cities, it'd be an easier uh, it'd be an easier deal. Yeah, and I felt bad for a lot of other people though because I think El Paso to most it, it's kind of like the connecting flight. Mm-hmm. So having to go back to Dallas, everybody as soon as they got back uh, to Dallas got a text with a uh, I guess like their uh, rescheduled flight. And as you can imagine, both uh, Dallas and El Paso, it was an absolute zoo when it came to the airport. I mean, there were so many people out there due to all the rescheduled flights or canceled flights because of the weather yesterday. Crazy story. Really crazy story. But you made it today, which right. is uh, all that matters. Hopefully, uh, you know, decent hotel last night, and you had a chance to spend a little extra time in Dallas. Nothing too bad. Wingate and Wyndham, so uh, it was about a mile away from the airport. That was always thinking. Uh, if it was a 6 a.m. flight to Denver and then El Paso, which was odd and uh, odd, you know, it's a weird situation in itself, uh, and we had to wake up at, you know, 3.30 in the morning, yeah, we, we only wanted to be a mile away at most. Oh, God. But the wedding was good. Wedding was fantastic. That was the highlight of the weekend. I'd stay two extra nights in in purgatory, I guess, or airport purgatory if it meant going to that wedding again. Did you have a bachelor party Friday night, or was that already done in advance? That was the New Orleans. That's when I went to New Orleans back in October. So yes, we we got that taken care of. We had an um, an amazing time. It's just we were out at the Fort Worth Stockyards, and for anybody who's been out there, uh, they understand how how cool of an area that is. Oh, that's good. That's very good. Oh, good for you. 
Well, that's a uh, that's an eventful weekend for sure. Definitely. This is that time of year. It's a wedding year. Uh, and so uh, time of season in my life with all these people around me getting married. Oh, my God. Well, I'm telling you, I'm happy uh, things worked out for you. Uh, more than anything else, you're back here. That's all that matters. Thank you. A lot of sports this weekend, too. A lot tons, to catch up. Tons of sports. Matter of fact, you probably, were you uh, were you wedding central during the UTEP FAU game, or were you watching that on ESPN Plus? Watching it on ESPN Plus. Um, wedding party was all, uh, they're all TCU guys. So they were, um, you know, they were fixated on the, Jamie Dixon, the uh, Horn Frogs, and that. But I had to pull out my phone, watch the ESPN Plus coverage of UTEP FAU. We had mm. some downtime. I got a chance to watch it. Like the fight that the Miners had uh, to close out the first half and the second half, they just didn't really stand a chance. No, they didn't. Um, and that was it. First half was fun, but second half, it was over. And like in the first five minutes of the second half, that was the end of that. That's right. And, yeah. I, and I thought 12 was too low. I really did. When when the spread came out on Friday, we we're talking about it, FAU by 12. I'm like, ugh, that seems, that seems really generous to UTEP. It really does. Well, knowing also that Shamar Givens had get, really given all his, uh, I guess, his leg, really, yeah. to, to just put it lightly, uh, or to put it bluntly, I should say, last Thursday, we went all out against uh, FIU to win against the Panthers on Thursday. I thought him and you know a lot of the other miners, they probably were just gassed from all the energy they exerted on Thursday on, on such a quick turnaround like that. No, I understand, but guess what? Uh, you know, two games in three days, that's that's the norm. That's right. That's right. And this is not a good road team. So no. uh, when no. we're talking about this team trying to sweep on the road, especially against the best team in the league, yeah, I, it's hard. It's just an uphill battle for this team to do something like that. Tonight at six is the last UTEP basketball coaches show of the season. So you're going to want to make it out to Moon Tower Sports Bar at six o'clock, thirty-two, thirty-three North Mesa, and uh, John will be there along with Kevin Baker and Joe Golding. This is it, folks. This is it. You know what's so weird? You know how UTEP Athletics always tweets out the uh, coaches shows with uh, both coaches on there with the times and the locations and what's happening? It's so weird seeing Joe Golding with a, with a tie. I can't remember the last, remember the day he was yes. hired when Joe Golding actually showed up wearing a, uh, a suit and tie. Yes, uh, coaching has gotten casual across the country. Uh, Joe Golden likes his polos. He likes his uh, low-cut uh, Nike Air Air Dunks or whatever he wears. His Nike shoes, his sneakers that he's wearing on the side uh, on the court. Um, I love that. I like that look, the casual look. But I, I think you're right. Last time we saw Joe Golden with the tie was maybe the day he got hired. Hope he likes Adidas because they'll be yeah. uh, he'll be having to switch out his his apparel pretty soon. In That's fact, football point. is already doing that with spring ball. Nice. I, I saw some of the photos and some of the videos that were posted on social media from some of the people covering them. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Some number changes as well to note. Uh, Deion Hankins eyeing that number three. Oh, yeah. He talked about that with us here on the show before the season wrapped up, that that was a number he really targeted and really wanted. So, but what, was cool. Deion's, what was Deion's number when he was over at Parkland? Um, yeah, he was three. He was three. No wonder he yeah. wants three. He wants three. Big I don't time. Mind him. All right. Well, good for Dion, and hopefully he gets it. Um, I'm looking forward to going to watch spring practice Wednesday at 9 in the morning. In fact, it's open to the public, so anybody can go watch spring ball. 
But we're going to be going probably Wednesday at 9 and go check that out. And, and I, w- I want to see this team and, and uh, get a good look at uh, what, you know, what spring is going to be looking like. And then uh, Dana Dimmel is going to join us Thursday at uh, 4.30. He'll be here in studio with us. So I'm excited about that. Uh, the A-team, Angela Olivas and Andy Enfeld will be with us Friday at 5 in studio Shamar Givens today at 5, and then both head coaches for the aforementioned uh, game between Parkland and Chapin will be calling into the show, uh, first at 4.30 and then at 4.45. Uh, You can't stress this enough. High school basketball playoffs at the Haskins Center is something special. This is a throwback to... When I was in high school, the uh, big high school games were always at, at that. Then it was the Special Events Center. It wasn't even named the Don Haskins Center in those days because, yeah, I'm old. But, um, you know, the point is it's always been a great venue to showcase playoff basketball in the city of El Paso. Yeah, we have not seen a game at the Haskins Center when it comes to playoff basketball since 2015 when Bel Air took on Andrus. So wow. It's been a while, and thanks to Felix Chavez for that note uh, from earlier today. Uh, the time before that, last time um, any team played a playoff game at the Haskins Center, it was Chapin Bowie 2010. So it's not as How is common. that possible? Why, why is it like, wh- like twice in the last 13 years? Why are we doing it? Why, why don't we see more of these games is it because the high schools can't afford to rent the building well okay so that could be an issue it also could be these teams don't meet up at the regional quarterfinals as often as as you know teams would like we saw recently just a couple years ago we brought them both on the show i think it was bel air and eastwood uh they faced each other at the regional quarterfinal level but i think they played each other at one of their gyms like it was at bel air or at eastwood whatever it was at that time um point is we need to see more of these games happen at the Haskins Center. I I know that we already get grad they are all the districts um, work with UTEP to have their graduation at the Don Haskins Center. The yeah. the school districts are working tirelessly to put money and a lot of these school districts send a lot of their students to UTEP. I don't understand why it's not more affordable for these schools to, you know, be able to get and rent the Haskins Center. I understand they have uh, compliance issues and if UTEP's hearing this they're probably thinking well there's a lot of things that we have to do in order to put this thing together but I, I, don't, I don't know Steve you're hearing things about how EPISD and YSD had to split the cost for this one it, it must be tough it must be expensive well, for these districts I'm hoping they got the discount for tomorrow because there's still no heating in the building oh. so maybe they got the all uh, you know uh, no heating discount maybe that's possible I just don't I, – I mean, isn't it a sad thing that this can't be free to the public and, like, open just, hey, the Haskins Center? It's just – it's not a perfect world. I understand there needs to be staffing. There needs to be people out yeah. there and security. But it would be – in a perfect world, it would be great if this was a free event for everybody to go to. Well, it would be cool if maybe the school districts could just cover that part. You know what yes. I mean? You are – you cover the staffing and we'll give you everything else on the house. I like that. I don't. I really don't see issues with things like that. Um, there are so many players across the city of El Paso who would love and die for the chance and opportunity to try to play at the Haskins Center because that's a Division One college basketball arena. Yep. The opportunity to play there at the high school level for a Texas playoff game at the varsity basketball level—that's that's huge. It is huge. Absolutely right. Checking Twitter today, six hundred ESPN El Paso. Chris Carpenter with a great tweet. Don Haskins would have loved the casual look for coaches. Oh, you better believe it. He would have brought flannel in vogue. Flannel, like, out, like, you know, tucked out with slacks. 
That would have been the, the you know the long sleeve flannel look would have been Coach Haskins. What about the road look? Would he go polo, like a mesh polo or something like that, also untucked? I think flannel all the way. I think he's 100% flannel. Wow, guy. that's I mean, interesting. I'll be honest with you. When I saw Coach Haskins out, uh, and I was in the truck quite a bit, I felt like 99 times out of 100 he had flannel on. Wow. I think that I would have to confirm that with Steve or Brent Haskins, but I'm convinced that that man loved flannel uh, button downs, loved them. So he could have. Actually, I ever saw him in a T-shirt. That's so interesting. He could have had some like orange and and navy blue uh, flannel that that came his way too. He could have got really creative with it. That would have been awesome because there could have been a company that could have given him like his own yes. line of flannel shirts. That would have been amazing. So anyway, all I remember is after every basketball game. He'd come in for the post-game press conference in a button-down flannel, tucked out, um, like still like wearing his regular, like his, you know, his uh, slacks from the game, but the shirt would be off and just he had the flannel on. And that was yeah, it. That's a that's a fresh look. What colors would he go with? Just like a, a Green, typical okay. blue, the typical stuff. Nice. Red, you know, the typical stuff. Yeah, no a, undershirt. It was awesome. Just flannel. That was it. So yeah, I miss those days. I do. I miss those days a lot. He would have been a trendsetter. He would have. Everybody would have started dressing. I mean, you could have had the, you know, trust me, on social media, you know, having Don Haskins in flannel, that'd be amazing. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one, Chris. That would have been terrific. He would have loved that look. All right. Hey, we got a lot to talk about over the next hour and 45 minutes. That's the time we get to spend with you here today on Sports Talk. But first, let's kick it off right. We've got Charlie One standing by with this traffic update. 19 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Want to say um, a big uh, shout out to, to Renee, Rebecca, and all the great folks at Wind Supply El Paso. Oh, what a crazy story I have for you, folks. Listen to this, okay? I have been so excited because I was getting ready to go to Tankless uh, for my water heater, and I've had my water heater the last thirteen years, and you know it's one of those. It's like a fifty-gallon monster that was basically part of like a a hydronic uh, heating back in the days before we even got the got the house it was they they had it part of a different heating system so when i converted years ago and bought my hvac uh we kept the water heater and it was brand new so it was fine so it's lasted all these years and i told uh, renee at Winsup, i'm like man i want to go tankless so he had this terrific uh, new tankless system from ream that um i had selected months ago but it's so new that it just arrived so he calls me last week and he's like hey listen it's good to go you want to pick it up i said yeah sure I'll get it Monday, meaning today. Well, yesterday, what happens in the house? You won't believe this, but the water here started to leak. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, is this a sign or what? I was going to just switch to go tankless to be preventative and, and just not have to deal with any problems. Anyway, um, yeah, yesterday was crazy. So, um, you know, making sure that we stopped the water, got, you know, cut the gas line, all that kind of stuff, cleaned up all the leaks. And then today, you know, um, we've been accelerating the install process for the uh, tankless water heater. But man, oh man, I- I'm excited. Can't wait to get home. Can't wait to see it. And again, you know, Wind Supply El Paso has done so much with us with Champion Heating and Cooling, and they've been our partners forever. But I needed to give uh, Renee and Wind Supply a shout out because people don't even know this. They carry um, Ream um, water heaters, whether, whether the uh, conventional big tanks, you know, the uh, 20, 30, 40 gallon tanks, or in this case, the tankless water heater that I'm switching to. So I'm excited about tankless, Adrian, because 
when the damn thing goes out, I won't have to worry about water leaks and problems and things like this time around. It just stops working. So it's got a 12-year warranty. I'm, I'm super pumped and can't wait to, uh, to get this change going. Man, Wind Supply El Paso always gets it done. They, they deserve the hot hand for what they, they did. Steve, that's they awesome. Do. Great stuff by them. That is, You know what? I'm happy you mentioned that because you're right. They are absolutely our hot hand uh, of not just the game but, but of the show. So, yeah. That's right. Big, big thank you. To, uh, to Renee out at Wind Supply El Paso for that. Super happy. All right. Uh, meanwhile, this is interesting. So UTEP men's basketball, starting the week, is right now in 10th, okay? 10th at 6-12 and ten, six and 12 in the league, 13-16 overall. They are tied with Louisiana Tech, but Louisiana Tech has the tiebreaker, I believe. Because in the standings, La Tech is 9, UTEP is 10, UTSA is 11. Now, they're not catching UTSA. UTSA is locked in at the 11th spot. However, they are tied right now with Louisiana Tech at, not, at like in that spot for, uh, for ninth. but they lose the tiebreaker, which is why they're 10th. And they're one game back of Florida International of Western Kentucky, who are 7 and 11 in the league which means they're 10th, but they could be as high as 7th if they were to catch both Western and Florida International this week, which I doubt. Now, here is why UTEP needs to stay number 10. And by the way, for this, I also credit the one and only Robert, who who, uh, messaged us on the uh, mobile app, uh, powered by First American Bank. Good job, Robert. And you're right about this. UTEP needs to stay 10th. Here's why. According to the CUSA men's basketball brackets, 8 and 9 will play each other, and the winner gets the number one seed, which means Florida Atlantic, if the season ended today, is awaiting the winner of the Louisiana Tech-Florida International game. And they're locked in. They're they're also locked in at that. One and uh, North Texas at two, for sure. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because, right, Florida Atlantic is 16-2. and two. North Texas is 14-4. and four, But North Texas can't uh, jump up to the one spot. No, Florida Atlantic, when they beat UTEP, cut down the nets because they've already clinched the first overall seed. You're right about that. So if the season ended today, UTEP as the 10 seed – would end up playing the seventh seed, which uh, would ultimately be um, Western Kentucky. And if UTEP beat Western Kentucky, their reward would be getting a chance to play the two seed, which uh, is uh, none other than North Texas. And the truth is, I'd rather take my swings at North Texas than have to deal with FAU in the second round of this tournament. Or the quarterfinals, I should say. You know, it's interesting, right? Because we're we're assume- that first game, I think, means a lot to UTEP. I just knowing what this team, uh, how this team has operated this entire year, how they are that kind of one. If they get one win under their belt, that's all that really matters, and they can kind of get momentum going into that next game. So, but just winning that first game means everything to them. Um, I'm eyeing the seventh, the the tenth seed overall, Steve. But I'm also looking um, to. I'm I'm looking at this 
this right now. Is there any chance that UTEP could get the seventh seed when well, it's all said and done? Okay, so let's 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 just think about this for a second. Okay, who is ahead of UTEP right now in terms of? Uh, seven, eight, and nine. Okay, seven, so, eight, nine. Western Kentucky is seven. Florida International is eight. Louisiana Tech is nine. Now, Louisiana Tech hosts the two Florida schools this week, but La Tech has also lost six in a row. So there is a possibility. There is a possibility that La Tech could drop both of these games and fall to six and fourteen in the league. You know they're going to lose to Florida Atlantic. The question is, will they beat Florida International? Nobody knows. FIU has lost four in a row. Um, Louisiana Tech has lost six in a row. Something has to give with these two teams. Now, Florida International, after playing Louisiana Tech, will then finish their season at Rice. So it's very possible that FIU could end up losing their final two games of the season, which would then uh, put FIU in that um, in that spot at seven and thirteen. Okay, if UTEP was to win both, they would be eight and twelve. So we know that that would be their record. Louisiana Tech, if they split, is um, seven and thirteen. That takes us to Western Kentucky. Okay, Western Kentucky has to play at UTEP and at North Texas. So if Western Kentucky loses both games, then Western Kentucky would fall to 7 and 13. Um it's possible FIU is 7 and 13. UTEP would then be 8 and 12 and Louisiana Tech would be 7 and 13. So there is the possibility that as crazy as this sounds, UTEP could end up as the 7 seed if they went out and um and FIU splits with um La Tech and um who's the other school I meant? Oh, Rice. And then FAU beats both. If FAU does their job and uh, and beats Rice and also uh, Louisiana Tech, then uh, things would work out very interestingly for UTEP if they were to win both games at home. So yes, there is the possibility UTEP could be a seven a uh, a seven seed. And but the thing is this, okay, the the the, the seeds you really would want for UTEP would be either 6 or 11 because that gets the 3 seed and the 3 seed Ugh. most likely is UAB okay so um you know the but but 6 they can't get and 11 is already locked into UTSA so most likely um you know it, but if UTEP got the 10 seed or they got the 7 seed it's the same thing so really the the seeds you want to avoid completely are 8 and 9 that would be a disaster because then you got to play Florida Atlantic if you were to win in that first round of the CUSA tournament. So you want to avoid 8-9 completely. So yes. you either want to be 10 where they are now or you want to be 7. But you can't get to 6, okay, because Rice is 6. And Rice is not going and losing two games this week. I don't see Rice dropping uh you know, two games to um, FAU and F or, or uh, to FAU and FIU. I would be shocked 
if FIU was to beat Rice. I guess stranger things have happened, Adrian. But, you know, I mean, that would also be kind of weird because um, Rice swept UTEP. So even if UTEP and Rice finished tied, Rice would get the tiebreaker because they won the season series and swept the minors. Hey, I'm just going to say this real quickly. If I'm UTEP, the team I want to play is North Texas, not FAU, not UAB, which has won nine of their last ten games. There's absolutely no part of me that wants the Blazers of UAB uh, when it com- or when it comes to the CUSA tournament. Which means UTEP has to finish seven or ten. Okay, seven or ten is the only shot they have to play North Texas. Um, yeah, that's just that that's just the way it is. So I'm interested to see how that you know how the chips fall for UTEP because if they do win out, you want to avoid eight and nine. You do not want to be in eight and nine or really you're in some trouble. So that's the key for the miners. Stay away from the eight seed or the nine seed. Either lock in a 10. Or be a seven seed, but you don't want to be in the middle. That would be a potential disaster for the Miners. All right, bottom of the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. 505-6009. That is our telephone number as we continue here on the program. Now, I am excited because we've got a pair of guests coming up. Jeremy Van Lee is the head coach of Parkland. He's going to come on with us in about 15 minutes from now. And then Rodney Lewis, the head coach of uh, the Chapin Huskies, is uh, scheduled to join us at the bottom of the hour. So, yes, we've got some good guests lined up. But first, let's get right to it. Here he is, Adrian Broadus, and this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Listen, I would love to talk water heaters with you right now, but I've got Coach Rodney Lewis on the lines from Chapin. So give me your give me your sports take, and then I got to and then I got to get to uh, to the Chapin coach. Go ahead. All right. Well, hey, again, last week you're talking about uh, NIL with uh, Young Sheldon, and totally off base, man. NIL is not free money to buy players, but I mean, we talked about that when I called in. Last week, the the money that you offer the kids is a scholarship, you know, education. Tied in with a, maybe a 401K, the NIL money. That way the kids can't just blow it all and, uh, and they're broke and then they're looking to jump ship again with the transfer portal. You just kind of hold it for them. Listen, know? I agree that there needs to be something in place to regulate it, but right now there's not. So the opposite of what you're saying is currently the truth. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is at this point, but there you if go. you're looking to control it, you know, think outside the box. Who's saying that you can't put it in a 401k? No, you're right. You're right. And maybe there are some players that are doing that. I don't know. It's possible. You never know. But uh, most players, probably you give them, you know, ten, twenty, fifty, hundred, five hundred thousand dollars. Uh, they're going to spend part of it. But hey, I appreciate it, Richard. Good ideas. Let me go uh, right now to Coach Rodney Lu- um, Rodney Lewis, who joins us uh, from uh, Chapin High as he gets ready for a huge playoff game at the Haskins Center tomorrow. Coach, first off, appreciate you making time for us, and uh, it's great to have you back on the program. How you doing? How you doing, Steve? I'm good. I'm good. 
Well, listen, we're excited for you. Uh, congratulations on uh, what's been a terrific year. And more than anything, the fact that El Pasoans get rewarded with a chance to go watch you play Parkland at uh, the Haskins Center tomorrow. I, You know, I was so excited when I heard the news. I, I almost wish we could have a showcase like this every year, even though I know that we don't always get El Paso teams this deep in the playoffs. But when we do, it almost seems like the Don should be a must. I think so as well. I think um, it brings excitement to the city. It brings excitement to the uh, the high school kids. I think they they uh, deserve to play in a, in a, the arena. You know, whenever we get a chance to to do this, there were there's been several uh, several chances to do it, and we didn't take advantage of it. So I'm glad that we um, we got the uh, the district got it done this year. Me too. Uh, meanwhile, speaking of getting it done, we didn't know what this season would be like without KJ Lewis. Maybe this was a blessing in disguise because as much as we wanted KJ to stay in El Paso and give El Pasoans one more year to watch his talents a showcase here, he got to go out and at the same time you were able to coach a team that didn't have to worry about playing in that spotlight this year and now able to see so many other guys rise to the challenge and, and get you right back to, uh, to to this spot again this season. Yeah, we uh, right when uh, um, he announced, when it became public, because um, I knew prior to um, him leaving, but right when he announced and everybody in the city uh, shifts gears on us, um, this team took it personal. Uh, my, myself, my coaching staff, all our players, we took it personal because um, there's no team that can go and do what they're doing with just one player. I mean, he, he's a tremendous player, a uh, hell of a talent, but he didn't do it all by himself. So we took it personal, um, and we just start working. And from the beginning of the season, I've been telling people that we're the best team in this town. And um, our guys stood up, and we've shown that all, all season long. Coach, uh, this Parkland team has gone through their own journeys this entire season. You all met up with them uh, to open up the season. 72-65, you ended up winning that game early on into the season. How much are uh, how much different are both squads going into tomorrow's game, reflecting back on that first game? Well, I mean, we, we've since that first game, we've played, uh, each team played about 33 games. Um, so you get, you got a senior group of guys over there. Um, there's three main players are seniors. They've been through uh, plenty of wars, and and I can tell. I will say this: Jeremy Vanley is 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 one of the most underrated coaches in in this city. When people start getting on Twitter and and the social media, and they they are talking about ranking coaches, I never see Jeremy Vanley's name, but he does a tremendous job year in and year out. He's he's just quiet about it. He's not a big social media guy. But his teams are always, always there, always ready to play. So um, they are, they are much better. They, um, the first game, they didn't have their football players, so their big kid is making a big difference for them, and a couple of football players um, coming off the bench. So they're different, and we're different also because we didn't have like Dallas Coleman the first game, and then um, Brandon Hines only had two points. And so I mean, it's, you know, it's a different look for both teams, but. I, again, I want to reiterate, Jeremy Vanley is one of the most underrated coaches in this city. We're talking right now with uh, Coach Rodney Lewis uh, of the Chapin Huskies getting ready to meet tomorrow at the Haskins Center. I believe it's 6 o'clock. They'll go up against uh, Parkland. By the way, you were down, what, um, 18-4 to 4, uh, in the first quarter to, Alamo, yes. uh, to, Al- uh, to Amarillo Palo Duro, and then 
You just uh, came back and went nuts, and I love that. Uh, Peyton Parker had three three pointers to help pace the comeback. Uh, Bryson Goldsmith was terrific. You mentioned uh, Adelius Coleman and what he was able to do. Uh, you got a nice team, Coach. You have a very nice team, and it, you know what it tells me? They're not afraid. You can get them down big early on. This team doesn't worry and panic. All they do is play their game and get themselves right back into it again. Yes, um, our schedule. I, I like to. I like to say our schedule um, made that happen for us. Um, we didn't change our schedule, even though we knew uh, KJ was leaving, and uh, we made our tournaments before he announced he was leaving. So those tournaments were set. I had the opportunity to get out of them, but no, I wanted to take our kids and play in the best, uh, the best schedule possible to prepare us for these moments. Um, we had a, a game against Kenny Till that went triple overtime. We didn't panic. Um, Kenny Till played a, a great game. It was at their place. It was packed. And we kept our cool. We fought back from eight down. And we ended up going to triple overtime and winning. Um, against PD, what people don't know is I cleared my – I took my starters off. And I just told my bench, is you know, go in there and, and do your job. This is what we've been preparing for all year. And Peyton Parker stepped up. Julian Pacheco stepped up. Uh, Eli uh, Eli Rodriguez stepped up. And Savion Jordan, those guys were in the game when we made that run um, to cut the lead back. And then my starters went back in. We regrouped at halftime. And then we were ready to go. But our schedule was we, – we played the hardest schedule in town. And we don't care about taking losses early. It really because we want to prepare for this moment to be planned in March. Parkland held Tescosa to 55 points in their win. You scored 82 against Palo Duro. Uh, what are we going to expect here tomorrow? Do you think this is a chance to a game to be in the 60s or how tough will it be for Parkland to try to slow you down? Well, it's Northeast. Um, if, if, if it's uh, what I think it's going to be, it's going to be a high scoring game. Um, it's going to be the team that takes care of the ball, rebounds well, um, and then makes shots. I mean, because I think we're playing with the college three-point line. I, I don't think they're going to take down the high school line. So I think we're playing with the three-point line for college. Um, so that changes some things because the first game, although we beat them by seven, they hit 14 threes on us. They were unconscious at home. So I think it changes up some stuff when that line is back a few feet. Um, they have some great shooters, and so do we. I don't think it's really going to matter. I just think it's going to be um, what our MO is, is all year long we've had one big quarter. It's always been a big quarter for us. Um, and so, like, against Palo Duro, it was the third quarter. We had a 28-8 to eight quarter. So we, we always get a big quarter where our defense and our offense is clicking. Um, I, I feel like we're the best defensive team in town. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna do our best to to try to stop those guys, but they're they're an amazing team, and hopefully we can just come out on top. Looking forward to it, coach. Should be electric tomorrow night. Hey, we appreciate the time, and uh, let's get a chance to talk a little more uh, playoff hoops with you soon. Okay. All right. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate you. Thank you, Adrian. You got it. Uh, once again, uh, head coach uh, Rodney Lewis of the Chapin Huskies joining us as we continue fours across the board. Come back with more in a moment. Six hundred at ESPN El Paso. Now we get to hear from his opponent tomorrow night at the Don Haskins Center, 
Parkland uh, head coach Jeremy Vanley joins us live here on Sports Talk. Coach, congratulations on uh, knocking off Tascosa out in Hobbs. And like we told uh, uh, Coach Lewis uh, just a moment ago, super excited about you having the opportunity to play at the Don Haskins Center tomorrow. Well, thank you very much, and we are super excited as well. Tell me how you did it. This is your first area title in over 15 years, Coach. How'd you pull it off? Well, I think our guys were prepared. Uh, instead of, uh, I think we had the experience from last year when uh, we just seemed like it was kind of like a culture shock for us. And then coming in this year, kind of knowing what to expect and uh, understanding the magnitude of, of an area playoff game, that really helped us out. Uh, so it was, there are things we knew teams were going to go on runs. Uh, we didn't get rattled. We just stayed the course. Our guys were able to maintain their composure. And then we were able to pull it out. Coach, you had so many great standouts in that contest. Uh, just Sean Kinnard. Uh, you also had Julian Moreno, who uh, scored 20 points in that game. Jordan Diaz, who scored in double figures. Who are some of your standouts uh, for, uh, from this past weekend? Well, you said those three guys. And then, you know, one of the guys that's just one of our unsung heroes, Isaiah Madrano. He does a very good job of applying constant ball pressure on other teams' guards. Uh, he hits shots that kind of puts pressure on the defense and keeps them honest and, and they're aware of his ability to shoot from downtown. And then we had two guys step in off the bench, Justin Rodriguez and Isaiah Brown that came in and did a phenomenal job defensively when some of our guys got in foul trouble. All I know is this right now, um, and, and and maybe this is a great way to put it, Coach, um, you know, you might be considered the best-kept secret in El Paso, and it's not fair You've won over 300 games as a high school basketball coach. So there's no reason why you should even be considered a secret. But at times, does it almost feel that way? You just keep doing what you're doing. You're building up Parkland. Now you got this big, big matchup tomorrow against Chapin. Yet uh, it seems like, uh, you know, you're not necessarily the name that people always will talk about when it comes to high school coaches in El Paso. Oh, you know, I'm, I, I honestly am, am not concerned with that. I, I'm just a vessel. You know, I feel like God put me here to impact these young men's lives. Uh, and, and I try to do that to the best of my ability, and so does our staff. Man, We try to pour into these young men as much as possible. We try to push them to their limits and, and, and tell them that we love them. And then the wins and losses, that comes from, from their hard work. They're, they're intentional every day in practice. Uh, they have incredible work ethic. They they learn and grow. They're able to take constructive criticism because of the relationships that we that we've built over the years. So I mean, it's just it's so much bigger than myself. To be completely honest with you, I understand. Yet when you talk about building this program up to where it is now. I mean, this is a it's a big deal. And I know you don't want to make this a one off. You want to make sure that Parkland uh, makes, you know, makes it this far every year and becomes a regular threat in El Paso. Absolutely. You know, I, I, part of that's pride in, in my alma mater. You know, I'm graduate from here in a class of 95. But it's also, you know, just pride in, in the Northeast. You know, I, I think a lot of times uh, other schools automatically get. Uh, credit and, and recognition, and it's not to say that it's not deserved. 
but we want to start making sure that our name gets put in that conversation on a regular basis. Coach, simply put, I guess that's a perfect segue into tomorrow's matchup. Uh, what does it mean being two Northeast opponents going at it at the Don Haskins Center for the regional quarterfinals? It's amazing because I'm, I'm pretty sure there's quite a few people that have not had a chance to sit here and watch uh, either of our teams play for, you know, due to their own seasons, uh, or, you know, cheering on their own schools, et cetera. Uh, but you get a chance to see two teams, man, that are going to go out there and leave everything on the floor. The guys that take pride in their schools, pride in their community, um, some great young men. Uh, and it's just going to be just an exciting atmosphere for both groups. What about having a college three-point line like we'll see tomorrow at the Haskins Center instead of the high school three-point line? Uh, how does that affect your team and, and their shooting? Well, I think that's just going to be an adjustment, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I think we have some guys that shoot that far on a regular basis. Uh, so, so for some of us, it's not going to be an issue. Uh, but other than that, it's just you know sticking with what we do. Uh, not trying to change anything because uh, of of the, the distance of the college line. As long as we stay the course and just stick with who we are and not get caught up in that little aspect of it, we should be okay. Last thing, and that is this. Uh, getting to the regional quarters is a big deal. Meeting an El Paso school in the regional quarters is another big deal. You mentioned 95. You're a few years younger than I am, but if you grew up in the 90s and the 80s and 90s in El Paso, Coach, you remember that that building was a regular host venue for so many great playoff games locally. I'm hoping that this will be the start of something and we could start seeing the Haskins Center back in play again in the future. Absolutely. And, you know, what a great opportunity for people who might not ever have the opportunity to go watch UTEP play, get a chance to experience their facility, and then kind of be a draw to go back and, and possibly catch some of their games as well. But it's just a great opportunity for get as many people in our city as possible to get a chance to come watch our local teams play and to, to cheer on our teams or, or just to kind of get an idea of what some of these guys and different programs that they might not see are capable of. Six o'clock tomorrow night. Coach, congrats on the great season. Keep it going. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes here on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you guys very much. Jeremy Van Lee as we continue here on Sports Talk. When we come back, Shamar Givens will join us in studio. We'll talk to the minor next as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. about our next guest who joins us. He is uh, UTEP's point guard, senior Shamar Givens, uh, and he is back uh, here in our studios. Uh, first off, good to see you, Shamar, and uh, thanks for giving us the time today, uh, being here in town and uh, being on the show. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You got it. Um, you know, we were talking about this season and, and how big uh, the, these last two games are. It's, yep. it's pretty crazy. You find yourself right now uh, in 10th, but you could be up as high as 7th, uh, depending on how things go uh, against uh, both Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, um, these games are really important. I mean, I think we could pull it off. And um, we're both games at home, so we're definitely going to take it seriously. You come back from Florida, you split the road trip, um, you beat Florida International, you had them down as many as 18. 
Uh, Florida Atlantic, a different story. You tell me. You've been you've been in this game a long time. Uh, that's a good basketball team, isn't it? When you really look at what they, you know, how they've how they've built the program and and really what uh, what they're all about on the court. Uh, yeah, I believe um, they got a great coach, um, and great depth and guards. I mean. Uh, I feel like they don't lose um, any depth once they go through the bench, and I feel like it's really effective for them, and um, they got good guards. It's also weird because, you know, we're used to seeing nobody to watch those games out in Boca, but they tore down the nets after uh, winning uh, on Saturday. Did they have a pretty strong crowd there to uh, to watch them on on Senior Day? Uh, Yeah, they had a pretty solid crowd. Um, I don't think it was really sold out, but uh, they had great support there and a great fan base. Uh, They were all red. Uh, It was a pretty great great atmosphere there. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't think it's better than El Paso, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't either, and it's so weird because I'll put it this way, Shamar, you've been here one year. One, this is your only season here, and uh, un- unfortunately for us, you're a grad transfer, so this is the only year you really get to play for the minors. But, um, you know, this program is leading Conference USA in attendance, yet we've talked about this. We're used to sometimes seeing two or three times as many fans to watch games as we have in the past. Yeah. So you've seen it where it can get so it can get loud, and, and it's been full on a couple of occasions, but nothing like what we're used to. So you imagine if you actually got to see uh, you know, 10, 11, 12,000 in that building, what it would be like? I know it would be crazy. Um, I mean, we got close to it first in Mexico State game, and that was pretty fun. I mean, uh, the atmosphere was crazy. You couldn't hear anything. Um, the great uh, France support. So I definitely couldn't imagine like how it would be just like every day, every game. It would probably be cool. When you were playing uh, at Evansville in the Missouri Valley, were they did they draw well for fans, or was that also a league that uh, at times a struggle depending on where you'd go play? Yeah, it was kind of like a struggle. Um, I mean, we struggled my first two years. Our, my junior year was pretty cool. Um, even though it was COVID, uh, we finished fifth. But it was kind of like um, stuck in the process of losing a lot, so we didn't really have great fan support. But going on the road to places like you and I, Drake, uh, top of the conference, them, them Valley teams had pretty good crowds. I believe it. Um, yet, you know, you see where we are right now heading into these last two games and then going to Fort Worth uh, and playing in Frisco, I should say, at the star for the tournament. Uh, there's a lot on the line, a lot on the line for, uh, for you, for the minors. you got Western Kentucky and you got Middle Tennessee. And, uh, you know, as you've mentioned, a chance to try to finish strong heading into the tournament next week. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't believe any um, player on the team is going to give up. I mean, we never give up all year, so we're de- definitely going to head into Frisco with the um, mindset to win a tournament, and I definitely believe we can. Just um, got to be consistent and, and um, play every game like it's our last. We've noticed that. This team doesn't give up. No matter what happens the previous game, they come out ready to play every time, and it seems like you bring the hustle, you bring the intensity, you bring the defensive pressure. That's kind of been uh, what's what's this UTEP's calling card uh, for just about most of the season, hasn't it been? Yeah, it's definitely been our identity, I think, um, and which is surprising. Um, I'm thankful for all my teammates just knowing that it's my last year and everybody um, has been telling me like they're going to fight no matter what, and just be with me no matter what happens, even though we finish last, first, or just always going to be with me. And I appreciate each one of them for that. It's interesting because you're the lone <clears throat> senior on this team and yeah. the lone uh, player that really will be graduating on yeah. Saturday afternoon. Uh, so tell me about what it means to you, especially as knowing that these these two games and then your, your conference tournament will be your last college basketball games that you'll have a chance to play. 
Yeah, it definitely means a lot. I mean, uh, it's been a great journey, and I wouldn't change it for anything. I'm thankful for um, the decision I made and definitely would come back um, if I had one more year. So I really appreciate it, and it's just been a blessing to me, actually. When you talk about El Paso, it's a big change from where you were at uh, at Evansville. What uh, was was it easier for you to adjust, or did it take a little time for you to acclimate to the city, the the school, and 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 just this conference? What CUSA was like as a basketball league? Uh, it was definitely hard at first to adjust. I mean, different type of leagues, different type of play style. Um, so it was kind of hard at first for me to adjust the fast paced game, whereas Missouri Valley was kind of slow paced in a defensive league. So as long as I got the hang of it, it was pretty cool. Coaches, coaching staff, players giving me confidence, telling me um, just go play your game, and they believe in me. And city-wise, I felt like it was pretty easy to adjust. Um, just knowing that kind of reminds me of my city, um, Toronto, where it's kind of diverse. You're seeing a lot of pe- people of not your kind, so it was pretty easy for me to adjust to it and just adapt quickly and knowing I've been here before Christmas with my friends. Now, you said uh, your coaching staff lets you just go out, play, and adapt, and that's what you did. But it seemed to me like the start of the year, you didn't really get into your comfort zone just yet. It took a little while for you to get to get more and more comfortable. And I think that over the last uh, few weeks, you've kind, of, you know, you've kind of hit your peak. Would you say that at this point you're playing some of the best basketball that you've played all season long? Yeah, I definitely would agree. And that goes into uh, just Coach Golden um, telling me how confidence. Confidence is key. Just knowing... Um, what he recruited me for and and his belief in me. So just him and having him by my back just gave me the most confidence and be able to play the way I'm playing right now. So just thanks to him and the coaching staff. I think so too. And I mean, for you, besides just confidence, what would you say is the biggest difference in the way you're playing now compared to the way you were playing early this season? Uh, I'll say the biggest difference is me stepping up um, to be a leader. I mean, that's what... Um, my teammates expect of me and my coaching staff and everybody on a part of the team expect from me. So um, just me stepping up and being a leader and just knowing that uh, as I go, the team goes. So just knowing that I set the bar for them and everybody else and know that um, me being the best I can be helps the team. Shamar Givens with us, UTEP's starting point guard here as we continue uh, on, on the show. Uh, Adrian, I know uh, you've, get, you've got some questions uh, for Shamar. Go right ahead. Uh, Shamar, I have some more recent questions for you. I mean, last week was uh, – we talk about you playing your best basketball as of late. Last week was pretty remarkable knowing that you went through uh, such a tough, I guess, recovery um, from being injured at the start of practice earlier in the week, yeah. uh, and then you come out and pour 22 points and flirt with a triple-double against Florida International in a really key game that you all needed to win. What was last week like? From Take, take us through from when you were diagnosed with that injury early in the week and then what what uh what ended up happening on Thursday night uh definitely um I mean it was pretty tough knowing that we uh the same week where we lost John Dose and Malik had a concussion so just knowing that um we lost depth in our roster it was like pretty hard on coach just understanding that um uh, even though I got an injury I thought I was gonna fight through so going into Florida I could barely walk and then thanks to our trainer Andrew just recovering every day and just getting treatment I was able to get better daily. So um, before the game, I didn't know if I was going to play because obviously I wasn't able to walk during the pre-practice, walk-through practice. So um, 
I was asked if I could play, and I just told him that it's a day-to-day thing. I didn't know if I was going to be able to play. And thankfully, um, I was blessed to wake up in the morning feeling a little bit more comfortable and be able to run and walk. And um, I just knew, like, once the adrenaline got pumping, that I'll be good. I felt like you weren't going to go out of that game or check out of that game no matter what, the way you were playing. It was yeah. Is that the case? Yeah, for sure. I definitely got the adrenaline. I knew it was a key game for us and uh, knew that we definitely needed a win um, and start off the trip good. So uh, once that adrenaline got in, I knew I was going to be great. One of the other things that I think fans really appreciate of your game, Shamar, is your elite defense. If Conference USA had an all-defensive team, I, I think you'd be a shoe-in to make it. You've totaled 59 steals on the year. How have you become a better defender under head coach Joe Golding, knowing that he emphasized defense so much and then you bought in on your end? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, again, go back to um saying the adjustment to the leagues i mean def- uh, in missouri valley we were kind of a defensive league but wasn't up the line type of team and um as coach Go- golden recruited me he told me that he believed i could be one of those players uh based off my uh quickness and uh strength so just knowing that i could just and believing in him watching film and just understanding um, how i could elevate my game um helped me a lot just knowing i'm a strong guard and quick guard and be gritty and it's just helped me a lot to just um learn from him and understand um, from former point guards he've coached like Reggie Miller and um, just adapting to one of those guards Coach Golden has. You're, you seem like a really focused guy. How, how do you balance the focus that you want to have with this team with also kind of celebrating and acknowledging the moments that you have as just, you know, your your final rodeo here as a college basketball player graduated this past fall and then now it's all coming up here to senior week, which will, uh, you know, you'll be celebrated on senior day Saturday. Uh, definitely. Um, well, I've been raised um, to know that the basketball, one day the basketball is going to stop um, bouncing. So always um, have your academics and um, and everything in, in sort. So uh, I made it, <coughs> I made it to be, I, I can't even talk. Damn. That's all right. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Um, uh, we, we've got time. It's a show. Just take your time and go yeah. from there. Well, yeah, uh, I was able to graduate in May and uh, thankful uh, for that. So um I'm getting my master's now and uh, being successful doing that. So, What are you getting your master's in? Yeah, leadership studies. Okay. So it's been pretty cool um, just focusing on my schoolwork and then just grinding basketball both. Could you see yourself continuing playing basketball at this pro level, or can you see yourself still play, being involved in the sport of basketball at some level, where, whether it's coaching, training, or, or whatever it might be? Yeah, um, I definitely see myself playing professional after this. Um playing overseas somewhere and just going from there. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, picking the brain of Reggie Miller because he played for Coach Golden. Yeah. What about a guy like Earl Boykins who spent over, uh, what, 10, 12, 13 years in the NBA and, and played the point guard role and was undersized his whole time? How much have you tried to sponge off of uh, Coach Boykins to really pick his brain a little bit uh, as for you being 5'10 and also that, that undersized point guard role? I definitely prick his brain a lot. I mean, we can relate a lot just uh, being undersized guards, and um, he's taught me a lot throughout these throughout these season. Um, just showing effective ways how to score, smart ways to score, just being efficient, and just finding different ways and keys and tricks because um, he's been in my shoes as well, just being a small guard. So I've definitely learned a lot from Coach Boykins and um, just studying with him, watching film, and um, understanding the game and just see where he's at because he has a different mindset just being um, playing in a different generation of mine and just knowing that I could use his skills and just bring it to today's game.
you mentioned leadership, and that's one of the things you've also developed here. Uh, was that something that when you first came to UTEP and, start, and took the floor this summer, you thought much about, or did that evolve as you realized this team needed a leader uh, both on and off the floor? It definitely evolved over time. I mean, coming from Evansville, it was kind of like co-leadership. I kind of took, even though I was a leader scorer and all, I kind of took like the back step, um, just being, having a fifth year seniors on my team. So um, coming to UTEP, it was definitely a change for me. And I work with Coach Golden a lot, just understanding of what it takes to be a leader and a great leader. And he showed me that a lot throughout this year. And um, it's been a blessing. I mean, um, Coach Golden, sat down with meetings and tell him that I got to be vocal, consistent, even though I'm not a vocal guy on the court, just being with everybody, um, having different friendships um, and relationships off the court with different players. I mean, I've built a lot with that. And just um, having the leadership co- the leadership course helped me as well. More with Shamar as we continue. I'm gonna get his. I want to get his take on on his teammates. We'll break it down and we'll we'll go player by player and get Shamar's thoughts on that. Not to mention the Miners getting ready for uh, this weekend with Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee. Final two home games of the season, and then it's off to Frisco and uh, the Conference USA tournament. We'll do that in a moment. But first, let's get back to Charlie One and get this traffic update. 17 past as we continue. Welcome back. 22 past the hour. Continuing right now with Shamar Givens, UTEP. Point guard, senior from Toronto. Big Raptors fan, right? Big Raptors fan. Uh, big enough. Of, yeah, big enough. Big who else? Enough. Who else you root for? I'm just straight LeBron fan. Where oh, okay. LeBron goes, I go. Fair enough. Big <laughs> LeBron fan. You got you to be happy. He's the all time. He's now the yeah, all time league sure, scorer. For sure. For sure. Greatest of all time to me. I know it's going to be a debate, but well, I'll be I'll be be more than happy to correct you on that. But <laughs> but you got to realize something. I'm also old enough to have watched Jordan's entire career yeah. play out. I saw it firsthand and saw what he was able to do. And I think that had you had you lived it, it's mm-hmm. it's because you see you've lived LeBron. Yeah. But when you live a guy like that, and then you see it all, it's. It's so difficult to sometimes sure. put it into perspective because you yeah. you don't realize sometimes how great somebody is sure. until until you just you you watch him carve up opponent after opponent throughout his career. You know, I bet, I bet, yeah. But I'll say this about LeBron: what LeBron's done is unbelievable, mm-hmm. and the fact to be doing it at this level since he was eighteen yeah. and still not slowing down and. He really hasn't aged the way everybody else ages. Yeah. It's pretty. It's it, it's pretty remarkable when you see just how good he still is, considering how long he's been playing uh, pro ball. For real, I mean, he's changed the game of taking care of your body. I mean, it shows he's been taking care of his body since he's gotten to the NBA. So it shows that's really important. That's true too. All right, I got to ask you about your teammates. Let's let's do this next. As a point guard and leader, I want to I'm going to throw guys at you uh, player by player. Give me some of your thoughts, your analysis on them, and and we'll go from there. Okay. All right. All right let's start with your backcourt mate, uh, Tay Hardy. Uh, Tay Hardy, um, great dude. I mean, probably one of the first guys I've met since I've came here. Um, he went on a visit before me uh, with my roommate Juwan Newton, so I got to know him from before. So the first person I met on the roster. Um, We've been talking a lot lately just about like how we got to step up as leaders and knowing that we're the leaders of this team and just trying to get everybody involved. So I appreciate Tay, and we just talk about that, how uh, we will never change um, if we were to pick UTEP again. All right. Malik Zachary, a man that's been backing you up most of the year at, at the point guard spot. Uh, yeah, Malik, uh, probably one of the closest guys I am to on his team. I mean, I look at him as like a brother. Um 
uh, he learns a lot from me and I learn a lot from him, um, just knowing his story and just he, just him asking me questions of what it takes to be a college point guard and um, uh, school aspect of everything. So um, I appreciate Malik and we're just close. All right. Uh, Carlos Lemus, tell me about uh, Carlos. Uh, Carlos, great guy. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to understand him sometimes, but uh, he's a great dude. I mean, um, he understands the game and is um, a really great player off the court. Jamal Sumlin, the other guard I'm going to tell you, ask you about because he's been redshirting this year. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about Jamal. Uh, Jamal's a great guy, too. Um, I think uh, UTEP fans are really going to like him. He kind of reminds me of myself of just liking um, defense and uh, being an offensive player. Gritty, got heart a lot, and um, he's a great guy off the court as well, just being a genuine person and um, has a great personality. So he could be a 6'3 version of you? Yeah, he's gritty. I like his game a lot. I mean, uh, he's a great scorer, got defense, and just has a lot of heart. I think he fits the a stigma of a UTEP player. All right. Um, oh, also, a- Antoine Holmes. He's also been red-shirted, another guard, but uh, right here in our own backyard at Chapin High. We saw a lot of uh, Antoine as a high school star in El Paso. What have you seen from him uh, practicing with him all year? Uh, Antoine's good. I mean, he's been de- developing, um, practicing with us a lot, doing workouts. I see him work a lot, work out a lot, and he's grown over these years. I mean, compared to what I've seen him at first to now, he's definitely developed. And um, just being with him, I actually went to a Chapin game with him the other day and just just bonded. Right on. Uh, let's talk about some of your forwards, uh, and we'll begin with uh, Calvin Solomon. Uh, Calvin's a great dude. I mean, he has a lot of heart. I mean, he's an energy guy. I feed off of him a lot off the court, and we talk about it just knowing that once we see each other down or we're not doing something correct, just hold each other accountable. So I appreciate Cal- Calvin as he holding me accountable, and I'm holding him accountable off the court and on the court. You know what I like about Calvin? He does a lot of different things, uh, and he's always smiling. It always seems like he's, during games, he's, he's always got a smile on his face. Yeah, definitely a joyful person. I mean, never see him, ah, you hardly see him mad um, on the court, but he's definitely a good person. How do we, how do we fire him? How do we get him, like, if you're, if you're going to see the mad Calvin Solomon, is that uh, somebody you don't want to mess with? No, nah, definitely not. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about Otis Frazier? Uh, Otis is um, a great person to play with. I mean... Um, very athletic, very athletic, and um, I like running the floor with him on the court. Definitely gets me most of my assists, I think. And, <laughs> yeah, I love playing with Otis. Could you see Otis as somebody that uh, could could become a nice fixture here at UTEP in the years to come? Yeah, definitely. I feel like he fits um, the great UTEP. I mean, he plays defense and um, has a great shot and very athletic and a great finisher. So I definitely feel like he's a great UTEP player in the future. Um, we didn't get to see enough of uh, Jonathan Dos Anjos, and I felt bad because he was hurt a lot. And then yeah. when it seemed like he was finally getting healthy, that's when he got hurt and, and is out for the year. So you saw more about uh, Dos Anjos than we did. Uh, what were your takeaways this season? Uh, he's a great player. He's a good stretch forward. Um, I feel like he kind of started off the same as me. We're um, building confidence. Confidence was kind of like a, a thing for him, but we always encouraged him. We're like, John, you can shoot the ball, so always shoot. And once he gained, once he gained that confidence, he's very dangerous. So um, I like John Dose, and um, I feel like he'll be a great player in the future too. Uh, Jamari Sibley. Uh, Sibley as well. Um, we always get on him just to feel like he hides his potential, just knowing that he's a 6'9 guard and um, is very talented. And um, I always encourage him just to be yourself and have confidence as well. We can shoot the ball very well and is a very uh, great defensive player. 
That goes into your leadership qualities, doesn't it? Or you're trying to get the best out of each of your teammates. And sometimes it, you have to be more vocal and, and really get through to them to try to unlock that potential. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I um, was listening to Coach Golden, just building bonds with everybody. I have a different relationship with each one of my teammates. But just knowing that I'm close to them in some certain way has been a great thing. Just knowing that I could be also a point guard, but also a friend to tell them what they're doing wrong or what they're doing right. And you built that up over the last six to eight months. How tough is that? Because when you were at Evansville, you were playing with the same guys for the last three to four to five years. And now you come to UTEP and you have to try to establish those bonds and do it almost uh, instantaneously. Yeah, uh, it's definitely hard, but I feel like it was a form of respect. I feel like they all respect me, um, just knowing that I've been in the game for a pretty long time. So just knowing that uh, they trusted me and just listened and had a form of respect. So. It wasn't really hard, but it was hard at the same time, just knowing that I'm also a friend to these guys. Makes sense. All right, we're going to wrap it up with Shamar. We'll get his thoughts on everybody else. We'll get back to Adrian, let him ask some more questions as well to the minor senior guard. But first, let's go right back to Mr. Broadus and get this uh, bottom-of-the-hour Sports Center update. Thank you, Adrian. Uh, by the way, nice job, Adrian, to shatter Shamar's uh, uh, you know, day. This is a way to ruin it. It's you, ruined mine. Oh I'm a LeBron God. guy, too. It ruined Possibly, my day. Uh, LeBron out for an extended. That, that, that is not the kind of news we wanted at 531 in the evening, is it, uh, right now, Shamar? No, nah, not at all. I mean, I was pretty uh, scared, too, when he was on the court and whispering. I heard a pop. I heard a pop. Pretty scary. Oh, is that what he said? Yeah, I should say. And they the played court. great yesterday. Lakers yeah. actually look good now, and that's a big setback. Yeah, that is. That is not the kind of news you want to hear. All right, uh, let, let's keep throw, uh, things going. Let's get some more of your thoughts on, on the minor roster. Um, how about a couple of forwards? Let's start with uh, you know, a couple of big men. Kevin Kalu to begin. Uh, yeah, Kevin. I believe he's probably one of the greatest um, screen uh, defenders I've ever played with or ever seen um, in my life, actually, in a whole career. He's a great guy, uh, pretty aggressive on the screen and just um, – to have the agility and the mobility to move at his height and weight is just impressive to me. So uh, I really like Kevin's game, and I feel like um, he's going to be great. Just know that he works out every day and works on his game, and I feel like it's going to pay off. Now you said screen defenders, so he is able to fight through screens, or does he use his ability to just maneuver through screens on the defensive side? What is he able to do? Um, to maneuver. So like the way we play is um, we hedge, and um, he hedges great. I mean, um, even guards on our opponent team even tell us that they try to avoid him in ball screens at all times, just the way he defends it. Not to mention, uh, you know, he's built like a uh, he's built like a like a, like a linebacker, and he's playing at that forward spot. I think the biggest question for me is this: How much offensive potential do you think we can unlock with Kevin in the future? Because we haven't seen enough of his offensive game, and I think a lot of minor fans realize there's a lot more there than what we've had a chance to see. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's still young, um, and uh, he's been working on his game, so I definitely feel like it's going to pay off. Um, I've seen him evolve from the summer to now, just um, his post-game, um, and uh, just working on his touch, and it's definitely improved, so I feel like um, as he goes on this summer and just keep grinding, it's definitely going to improve and be a better Kevin. Let's talk about his tag team partner, Zarek Onyema, because I know he's come alive offensively in a big way as of late. Um, we've seen uh, you know, Zarek at times look uh, like, uh, like, like a ball player that can lead a team. We've seen it. Um, you tell me, when you see um, just what he brings to the table and the potential, uh, what, what's, your, uh, what's your takeaways from Onyema? 
Um, I like I like Zarek as well. Has he um, developed over the the season? And um, I tell him as well, just because um, he listens to me a lot, and um, I'm here to give him confidence. Like before the FIU game, I told him. I mean, before the FAU game, I told him like. You got to play like this on a consistent basis. Um, we have confidence that we're going to need you. So um, when I told him that before the game, I um, <clears throat> I showed him. I'm like, yeah, you got to keep doing this. And when he dunked on, I forgot who he dunked. He dunked on somebody. I was like, yeah, Zerg. All right, we're going to have a back-to-back game with this. And he agreed. That's good. So you're, you're almost trying to just keep them uh, positive but um, also let them believe in themselves. It seems like yeah. this team has a lot of young talent, yeah. and the more you get them to buy in and believe in their own abilities, that it can go a long way. Yeah, for sure, because I feel like um, confidence is a big key in basketball, no matter what you look at it as. Um, for instance, um, you need confidence to make a shot. You need confidence to make a layup. You need confidence for everything. So just um, a lock in this for each individual player has been effective for us, and just to see them develop over the season is great. All right. I didn't bring up uh, guard uh, Garrett, Le- uh, Garrett Levesque, but he's also on this roster. He is a 6'6 uh, guard who played here in El Paso, came from Tarleton State. We haven't seen Garrett this season, but what can you tell us about Levesque? Um, he's been uh, great. I mean, we have him on the scout team right now, and he's just been giving us the best look for each team um, um, and just making us work hard. So I feel like he's going to be a great player in the future as well, just knowing that he's very athletic. And um, and strong, Derek Hamilton. Um, at times when you watch him in the game, it, it just seems like uh, nobody is able to produce per minute in the amount of efficiency the way we get sometimes from Hamilton. Yeah, he's been a really effective big for us, and I feel like um, once he gets into that comfortable stage of um, being able to play um, more than twenty minutes as a time in a consistent basis, he's going to be really dangerous. I know he's not on the team anymore, but uh, give me uh, just uh, your takeaways, just the relationship you built with Rio while uh, McKinney was uh, a minor this season. Uh, definitely. Um, it's been it's been great having him as a teammate. I mean, um, just knowing that he's been um, in college is the same amount as he is as me. We understand what it takes um, just to be on a winning team, and um, having that leadership as a team was um, a great just to have him um, help us in a – winning a national championship, I mean, a conference title last year and just know what it takes to have a winning team, he showed us a lot. I'll say this. I still believe that from a potential standpoint, if McKinney could have unlocked that potential and found a way to just consistently bring it night in, night out, sky's the limit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a great player. Um, nobody can stop him in transition. I mean, he's helped us a lot uh, throughout the season, and he's been telling me, like, um, once I'm able to push the ball and help him a lot, uh, we're able to win games. Shamar, how would you answer the question, what's the future of UTEP basketball look like? Like the near future? Uh, I think it's gonna it's headed in the right direction. Got a great coaching staff and uh, the ability that Coach Golden has to push his teammates to the highest potential and push the best out of each player, individual player. I feel like it's heading in a great direction. What are your immediate plans after graduation? My immediate plans is... um to play in a pro league back at home in Canada and then sign with an agent. Is it going to feel good to get get back home? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to feel real great. I haven't been cons- home since I was 16 years old. I mean, you could count COVID as a year because um, we had to stay back, but I haven't been really home consistently since I was 16 years old. 
That's a long time. Yeah, that man. means uh, you're you're probably not going to recognize some things when you get back. Yeah, for real. It's, it's been a long time, but I'm ready for it. I think it's about that time. What are you going to miss most about El Paso? Uh, definitely the food, the people, and um, just the culture. I'm going to be back just because um, the relationship I've built with people here. So um, I'm going to be back for sure. Uh, what's your go-to food? Let me hear. What do you love uh, that you've developed a real uh, good uh, you know, uh, fondness and liking for? Uh, tacos, definitely. I like Little Shack tacos. Um, I've been... There's a lot of foods I can't even come off the top of my head, but there's a lot. Uh, now, I like flatas, all that. Now let me ask you this, okay? When basketball career is over, yeah. if you open up, a taco flauta stand in Toronto, and you start to really do it the right way, you think you're going to be a multimillionaire? Because I'm in that going to be like, oh my God, where did this come from? How have we not had this? Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely be a multimillionaire. I mean, Toronto's a really diverse city, so um, I feel like everybody's open to new food, so it definitely wouldn't be a problem for um, somebody trying my business but nobody has tacos and flautas like the stuff you've had here right? Nah, definitely not not as authentic as here uh shamar since you won't be a part of the transition your thoughts on nike versus adidas uh <laughs> were you a nike guy at evansville yeah so you've been I've a been, nike guy your yeah. whole career yeah okay yeah i do i do like adidas i played i played for um adidas the gauntlet so i do like adidas i think it would be my second favorite brand to play with but i definitely like nike a lot more but um dita got some good stuff favorite utep jersey combination that you've worn this season what is it uh definitely the texas western i told him to put it on my senior uh panelist so definitely my favorite i was gonna say uh yeah they have to retire that that particular jersey because they're switching to adidas next year so yeah. you want to make sure that you're bringing that texas western jersey home yeah, with you for sure definitely need that one yeah at all. Uh, Shamar, uh, your thoughts about your biggest influence. Who's your biggest influence on and off the court? I'm definitely say LeBron. <laughs> Wait. Uh, on and off the court. On yeah. And off, yeah, yeah, I'm going to say LeBron for sure. I mean, he's a great person. Never never been out in the media. Um, anything bad. He's just a great person, great leader. Um, open, up a new, open up a school for students. So it kind of like fits my career stick with just being helpful. And um, I really like that. So I just look up to him as like a great role model. Is he the basketball player you want to meet the most when it's all said and done? Uh, yeah, definitely for sure. I mean, I met Kobe. That was pretty good. That was big time. That's probably the biggest. And Well, when did you meet Kobe? Tell me about yeah, that story. Uh, 2016 All-Star Game winners in uh, Toronto. Um, I played for an EYBL team, and um, they were able to get our whole EYBL team in um, a little shoe store and uh, had Kobe speak to us. And just the way he spoke was just you felt it, like his dedication to basketball, and you could just feel his energy. Was able to take a picture with him and, um, you know, just learn from one of the greats. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a really sure. cool story. Hey, yeah. you uh, you talked about how you were roommates with Jawan Newton. What is it like seeing his brother Tristan Newton play at the biggest stages in college basketball and lead, uh, help lead a team like UConn uh, this season? Uh, definitely has been great. I mean, we have a great relationship. Um, I do with the Newtons, and then just know that it's something he's been doing like his whole life at East, East Carolina, so it's good for him to showcase it on a big stage like he is at UConn right now. So um, I'm not really surprised at what he's doing. I'm just um, happy for him just to show that he's showcasing it on a national stage. As we wrap it up with you today, and you've been, you've been great, Shamar. We appreciate your time this appreciate hour. You for having me. Um, we've seen this team 
pretty much be in almost every game this season, outside of Saturday, second half against Florida Atlantic and some of the earlier games with DePaul and New Mexico State. It seems like you guys have been fighting in all, you know, the whole year. So when you get ready to get into the tournament next week, there really isn't a team out there that scares you, is it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're going in with the mindset of um, the teams that don't that don't want to see us, just knowing that we've been close to every game, and it's just been the little things that's been um, falling short for us for for us to be losing these games. So just knowing that um, if you fix those things, that we'll be successful um, has been our mindset so far. Well, we'll look forward to some big crowds here Thursday night and Saturday afternoon for these last two games. But more than anything, thanks for being a part of it. Thanks for being with us, and uh, wish you nothing but the best from here on out. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Shamar Givens, folks, as we continue on Sports Talk, we'll come back, get ready for John Teicher. He's live and joining us from Moon Tower as we continue at 600 ESPN El Paso.